Hey, this is Real Humans by Gina Kaufman, a podcast from KCUR Studios by me, Gina Kaufman. On this episode, what's keeping Kansas City parks from being major destinations, even in a pandemic? I searched for an answer, and I found a shameful history that we can't seem to stop perpetuating. So, a few weeks ago, my family took an I-70 road trip to St. Louis. Our rival city, or our sister city, depending on how generous we're feeling, and maybe how the royals are doing. I was feeling generous. Spring had arrived, and I was ready to get out and explore. I'd been skeptical about visiting an urban center in our half-vaccinated state. Wouldn't a camping trip make more sense? But my husband won me over by pitching a few days in another city as a chance to check out parks we'd never seen. We've been on the cautious side of the social distancing spectrum. So for us, the city has become its green spaces. And we now take going out quite literally. It used to mean going in to restaurants, coffee shops, bars. Going out is different. It's not about being a consumer. It's just about being. Swope Park's Fox Hollow Trail is one of my favorite destinations. This time of year, the short, muddy trail is flanked by dense foliage until about three-quarters of the way through. Then there's a moment when you suddenly emerge, stepping onto a flat rock overlooking treetops and train tracks. It's magical. I didn't expect in St. Louis something I wasn't getting at home. All I really wanted was a fun variation on the same idea. We arrived in St. Louis late on a Friday afternoon and went straight to Tower Grove Park with a frisbee and a baseball. It was packed. 20 and 30-somethings were meeting up on picnic blankets with snacks and bottles of wine. Children dashed between ponds and flower beds. Older couples enjoyed vigorous walks, stopping to rest on benches. Food trucks and pop-up bars were clearly a draw. You can get a margarita in this park, but the hangout went way beyond that. It extended for miles. Was this a fluke? It was not. I'm told it's like this every Friday. We spent Sunday at Forest Park, which had a similar vibe. On a grassy hill between a museum and a pond, blankets dotted the horizon line. People just sat there side by side with strangers like it was everyone's lawn. It was a breathtaking sight. And suddenly, the thought of my favorite little underused hiking trail felt sad. Don't get me wrong, I've seen people enjoying Kansas City parks throughout the pandemic, but generally, they're going to a particular place for a specific activity and then leaving, like I do after my hikes. Our parks have niche communities. Disc golf in Kessler Park, fishing at Truce Lake Park, but a place that feels like everyone's lawn? That's harder to identify. Roosevelt Lyons agrees, but you can tell he doesn't want to. Lyons is the deputy director of the Kansas City Parks Department, and he's been defending our city's parks against my accusations, impressively, I might add, up until this point in our conversation. That's, I mean, that's probably a fair statement, actually. You're probably touching on a few things um, there. Here he slows down to choose his words carefully. The first thing he tells me is that our city is really spread out and isn't well-connected for pedestrian and bicycle use. We don't have many mixed-use neighborhoods. We get in our cars and drive to specific places to do specific things. Wandering into a park while out and about on a sunny day just isn't a very Kansas City thing to do. There's not that same kind of informal, 
gathering place that people just tend to flock to on the weekend. The other thing is harder to talk about. I'm going to uh, dive into some weeds. Well, not weeds, but I'm going to get into a thorny, thorny topic. It's race. One of the things that that is visible, but is often not talked about, is um, some of the inequities and obviously the distribution of resources, but also this idea of, of, of kind of our city as segregated as it is. Roosevelt Lyons explains that equity is one of the pillars of the Parks Department. So in 2019, the team invited the Urban Land Institute to do an audit of the city's green spaces, focusing on how to create greater equity across zip codes something the department is beginning to do through a new program called the Quality of Life Investment District. The report did not mince words. Our parks were built quite intentionally to separate people. I'm going to read you an excerpt from the report, if you'll bear with me. Here goes. I'm quoting now. In 1895, Kansas City, Missouri's municipal government approved a charter amendment granting the Board of Park Commissioners the power to condemn land for acquisition. During that same time, many African Americans who had settled in the area, attracted initially to the free state of Kansas after escaping slavery, arrived in Kansas City, Missouri for employment opportunities at the rail yards and packing houses, and as domestic laborers. They settled close to their employment centers and, as a result, inadvertently created racial enclaves, living generally among other African Americans. As these enclaves grew, white elites began to use their control of the parks and boulevard system to create buffers between their homes and African American communities to maintain their high property values for white homeowners. End quote buffers between one community and another, not destinations for one and all. As Roosevelt Lyons puts it, The Parkway and Boulevard system, while also beautifying the city, was also a way of enforcing and reinforcing segregation. What I'm seeing in our parks is exactly that. It's no mystery why we don't all flock to the same places. Our parks were created to prevent that outcome. And our separate parks have not been invested in equally over the years. It doesn't take a lot of data to go look at a park on the east side of town and then go to the park on the west side of town to say, hey, these look a little different. These feel a little different. That's a tricky thing to change because inequity perpetuates inequity in ways that people don't recognize. Take, for example, private donations to parks. A nice idea, but one that plays favorites. People say often, hey, I'll come... Swell Parkway doesn't look like Ward Parkway, right? Yeah. Um, And the answer to that is, well, Ward Parkway, we have uh, private donors who give us money to maintain that, to to provide a higher level of service. So they get mowed more, it gets uh, treated for um, weeds more, it gets a higher level of service because we have a private donor. And we've had those private donations for years. Private donors, he tells me, often want to contribute to the parks they love and frequent in their own neighborhoods. Loose Park, for example, has a lot of private investment. So what about communities that have neither money nor sweat equity to spare? The idea behind the Quality of Life Investment District is to make up for what amounts to a shortfall by prioritizing underserved areas in the allocation of dollars and personnel. Lyons tells me that 311 calls for park maintenance come largely from more affluent communities. People in struggling communities have what he calls bigger fish to fry, 
So the Parks Department is shifting as part of this to being proactive about identifying maintenance needs as opposed to waiting for complaints to come in. Meanwhile, if Loose Park represents investment, it's also a place that's increasingly reflective of the diversity of the city. That's something Mayor Quinton Lucas tells me when I ask him about the parks. You will see demographics that don't necessarily match the neighborhood Loose Park, and and that actually always makes me feel good to see black people walking around, to see others, right? I mean, it, it lets me know that something's working in our parks. He remembers a time when that wasn't the case. In maybe the mid-1990s, we would drive over there to like walk down the street. And we were some of the few, I think, black folks that we would see on the trail. And it always, it really always felt like at least kid me that we were venturing into another part of town and like exploring and and we were like, aha, we found out where you were hiding the good stuff. Everyone should get the good stuff. Investment will help with maintenance. That's a step toward equity. But what will create a greater sense of belonging across our historic divisions? On some level, it has to be us deciding to behave differently. Here's Roosevelt Lyons with the Parks Department. If we are doing business exactly the same way that we were pre-pandemic, pre-racial unrest, we've really missed an opportunity here. We've always been segregated. And for the past year, due to this pandemic, we've been siloed in our separate worlds more dramatically than ever, even in our parks. Now that more people are getting vaccinated and restrictions are lifting, are we going to return to going in rather than going out? Are we going to keep frequenting separate parks where we only encounter people who look like us, heeding the boundaries as envisioned by our city's founders? Or are we going to finally try for something different? for listening to Real Humans by Gina Kaufman. It's a weekly podcast from KCUR Studios based on a column I write for KCUR.org that comes out on Sundays. It's edited by Barb Shelley, and the podcast is produced by Mackenzie Martin. If you have a Parks story that you think people ought to hear, send it my way, gina at kcur.org. Catch you next week.